You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your team every day, brought to you, as always, and found on the Locked On Podcast Network, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, as we sit down here, let's see, it's almost 10 after 8 on a Wednesday evening. And guess who's still in the gym and still working? Yes, Pete Smith and I. Um, guys, uh, you know, when you get into your car, uh, ask your hands-free device. Play Locked On Browns podcast. Always make sure to check out whether it's Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, and of course, obviously, you know, one of our new sponsors here, Spotify. I mean, that's Spotify, obviously, the Himalaya app. If you're looking for something different, go ahead, check out Himalaya. Um, always Great to sit down and get through this, you know, uh, to do the daily grind here. We appreciate it. We enjoy doing the work and putting the work in. It's a fun thing to do. Um, we're going to get into some fun things here. I, I guess, Pete, I don't think there's much left here pro day-wise. We got some Alabama guys who are just going to say, hey, we did some field drills and that's it. And judge us from tape in this alone, which makes for some tough evals. Uh, you know, Deontay Miller, Christian... Uh, Deontay Thompson, Christian Miller, making it really, really tough. Maybe day three surprises, who knows, whatever. But, I mean, I guess that's where we're at. I mean, it's pretty much, you know, the ducks are in the row. And as far as, you know, the draft process, hey, in the barn, I know you love that one. Uh, I mean, well, let's let's start with Alabama. This is, this is why I'm always dubious of Alabama, because you just have so many of these guys who just, just feel like... You know who the... You know who the the you know who the aces of the deck of cards are. Sometimes everybody gets fooled by the guy that was the ten of diamonds who looked good. Sure, I mean that's part of it. The other part is is you're always worried about the medical because they grind their guys so hard. Um, you know Alabama, and, and it's not like it's you know every school does this. Alabama is very unique in the fact that they will recruit these guys, but they recruit over top of them. And what effectively happens is player A is a five-star dude. You know, he's there for a year. He's, you know, he's really good. Uh, they recruit player B behind him. Player A gets hurt in a way that isn't so debilitating that he can't play through it theoretically, but he probably shouldn't. And because he's scared of player B, he plays through it. Yep. The injury either gets worse or at the very least doesn't get better, or you know, there's things that just debilitate over time, and then they come out in the NFL draft process, they don't test particularly well, and then we get to you know the medical and something pops up, or they're still rehabbing from you know the the, the ruthless grind. And certainly part of this is the fact that Alabama is very, very, very good and they play so many games that there's a little bit of just the fact that they play that many, you know, impacts this. But there's just too many examples and uh, of, of just this being ground out. And then they get to the NFL and they, they, they just are a train wreck when it comes to injuries or being, you know, just not getting any better or those type of things. I mean, you know, Julio Jones is phenomenal, but even he's had issue with issues with his feet. But there's a lot of guys like D. Milner, uh, you know. Tate was fantastic, but. Well, I mean, he gets to the league and he, he just can't – his body just continuously gives up. I mean – Fails him. Yeah, or, or there's guys who failed in, you know, medicals. A bunch of defensive tackles have fallen. Cyrus Quanjo had a, uh, a degenerative knee condition, you know, still went in the second round and was just – has been unable to really catch his feet. But, yeah, the other one that happened today, which is of some note, is Washington State, um, which yep. effectively meant that – you know, various teams were just going to go watch Andre Dillard and drool for a while. Ah, the uh, running back too. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, sure. I mean, it's not like Washington State doesn't have some dudes. It's just a question of you know who is the show, and it was you know a bunch of offensive line coaches drooling and having to wipe wipe the spittle from their their uh, mouth after they're they're done watching Dillard um, just put on a show athletically. But yeah, we have gotten to the point where we are wrapping up pro days, which is great. I wish the data would keep up, um, and we could all get that stuff, so we could get some really qualified. Still, still been so weird this year. Yeah, it's it's you know, and it, it's always 
we're always there's always a big almost, time lag period, but but you also just, almost get the feeling that it's maybe more that they, they don't want it leaked as deeply as it used to be to guys like you and me. I'm sure maybe, but uh, you know, let's put it this way: the guys who are really really good testers, um, they get out there. Um, agents get that stuff out. Uh, the guys who don't test so, so well. Mm, you know that that stays a little quieter because they don't. He want, had a three point eight GPA. Is the response <laughs> you get? Yeah, so I mean, it, it, you know, there are certainly generally comes from smaller schools, uh, but the you know generally the guys who test really really well, their data gets out, and if if data is not coming out, there's usually a good reason for it. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll get the rest of it uh, or, you know, enough of it that we find out some important data on some guys we had targeted and stuff like that. And we can really, you know, at this point it's, it's now ordering our boards and, you know, keeping up with who's visiting teams and all that stuff. But we're, we're getting to the point where it's just like, you know, doing those, those last things, watching some tape one more time on some of these guys to make sure you didn't, you know, you, you know. You, sometimes you watch tape. You're in a mood of some sort, or you're tired, or whatever, and and you see things that you want to double check just to sort of calibrate to make sure that everything's there, or you miss something, whatever. Uh, but yeah, we're getting to that point where it's now, you, you know, your opinions are fully formed, and and you're you're going to say what you're going to say, and uh, stand by it, or 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 reap it one way or the other. But uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome because it means we're almost there and certainly as a bronze fan we don't have as many picks as some of these other spoiled teams but uh that doesn't make them any less important no because i mean you know you you, got to finish it off it's throw pills and things of that nature you know um one was you know uh there was a route today from dk metcalf from his pro day and somebody was trying to parlay it out it was good and the the route from his pro day it, it it showed what the look i mean if you want to run him on skinny posts, posts, nine routes, all that stuff, yeah, I mean, he should be able to be that guy who can give you a three for 95-yard day. But I don't see the guy where you're ever going to get the you know, the eight for 113 because the coverage was really good and he had to do everything underneath. He's not the Mike Evanses of the world. He's not the Julio Joneses of the world. Don't draft him as such. Obviously, look, I mean, thank God it, it, it Probably will not and should not be an option for the Browns, but he's overvalued due to the fact that he ran a great forty. The fact that if he shows up at the pool, every dude's going to put his T-shirt on and kind of walk away or find something. You know, maybe I'll go get lunch now or whatever. The hips show in what he's doing, and some people want to take some things and make it more than it's not. I I just don't see it. Um, so let's 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 walk people through that real quick. So if you see the clip and you're going, what's wrong with this? When you run routes and, and you're trying to make your you know an in cut or a real hard like let's say you're making a hard ninety degree angle or you, you a comeback type thing, you, what you want to see is you know people are what I what I assume the guy who's saying this is good is saying well he stuck his foot in the ground and he moved you know. But what what you're seeing him do there that's bad is you're seeing his entire upper body basically fall over himself. Over his feet. Like, it means he doesn't have that, you know, the strength in his legs relative to be, or or, in core. Core is a big part of that, and hips and those type of things. It's able to sort of keep you upright, and so your weight's not shifting up. Because if your weight shifts all the way over like that, you now have to generate enough strength to get all of that going over. So what you want to have happen, and there's different thought processes on this. Like uh, some people will say you want to be able to get to basically a sprint position, like you take it into a track mindset, and the explosion out of the cut, so from the cut to the next step, should look sort of like a track stance where, you know, the the weight's all back in this case and explode in an easy way. So that first step, a ton of strength is coming out. And you look like you're exploding out of the block uh, if you really you know slow it down, or you know h- however you want to put it, you're, you're just able to stay at least upright, and then so you're able to shift your weight. But either way, when you see the guy's weight fall all the way over like that, you have to then compensate for it, and that's really difficult to do. Which, by the way, is naturally difficult for big guys, and it's naturally difficult for. Fast guys, certainly DK Metcalf is both of those things. 
but because just because he's both of those things does not a good route runner make that that highlights the issue whereas a guy like Julio Jones you know this is what makes him such a freak is you know you, you know that extremely quick uh, three cone drill is being able to be so strong in his core and hips and area and being able to control his body explode out smoothly and not only does it look good it's faster that's and so if you look at that if you see the clip and you're sitting going i don't know what's wrong with it that's sort of the some of the stuff to look for if you're just looking at routes in general you don't want to see the guy's weight falling with the foot well, and this is also part of it, though, and this is where, and look, I mean, for so many years, you know, the NFL was so narrow-minded, you know, wide receivers, they should run fast, hopefully you want them big, but then all of a sudden, slot guys became all the rage. Why was that? Because these guys are able to shoulder their speed down, fire a foot down, go inside, outside, or even just a deke move, and, you know, I'm going to stop here, you're going to react, and I'm going to go past you. you got to be able to shuttle your speed down and then fire it up again. And now this is what has made slot receivers a big thing and a big hit in the league is what makes these guys the elite of the elite. Odell Beckham, not as big as the other guys, but he can do this stuff. Julio Jones, at his freakish size, can do it. Mike Evans can do some of this as well. This is what, and this is why I was so against a guy like Tyrell Williams. He's a one-trick pony. I think this is kind of what DK Metcalf is. Yeah, you can maybe throw him a, you know, a smoke route, which means he basically takes one step and just looks for the ball. But it's he's not going to be able to run these short routes with the precision and the timing. That, that you're hoping for, and, you know, look, maybe he'll find the quarterback who can adapt to it, but there's also really, really smart defensive backs who are going to read, look, if his chin's over his feet, I, I, I'm on it. I, I'm over it. That's it. I'm right on him now, so as he cuts, I cut with him, and he's covered. It, it's, it's look, he's a fantastic athlete, and, you know, and at the end of the day, look, Pete and I, we always wish these guys success. We want for a better league. We want every, we want the NBA where everybody's a freaking stud athlete. And eventually for the last 45 seconds, there's going to be some defense played. That's fine. But you want to, you've got to be all of the part to be considered a top 10 pick at the wide receiver position. Sure. So There ain't so, one in this class. Go ahead. So what you have to look at now is if you're saying, well, he doesn't do this thing well you have to not tailor your offense around it. And certainly, you know, obviously, and the other part of that is, is you're basically counting on, on his, you know, size and speed to basically be his separation. It basically intimidates the shit out of the guy who's thinking, Oh, he's going to go over the top. The 80s Raiders aren't around anymore. Whereas first and 10 go deep. Second and 10 go deep. Third and 10 go deep. Ah, well, it didn't work out. We'll punt. Hopefully we'll get it back next time. So, so you have to now, be smart. I mean, certainly you're going to try to get him better at these things, but now you have to plan around, the, around these things. You're not going to say, hey, I want you to run like a full-on on true comeback route. You're not going to have him, you know, a, a multi, you know, like a old-school dog route type thing where you're having three three points and three changes of direction. Um, you're going to try to make him go keeping his weight all going in the same direction. So that's more along the lines of verts, slants, um, posts, those type of things, where his weight's not really being asked to change too much. He can still be fast, and his change of direction issues are mitigated. Um, and, and some of this is technique. There's no question about that. Um, and, and Jeff mentioned it a little bit with you know, being slot receivers, is being able to sort of predict where your feet are going to go and have that extra step to sort of shuttle, shuttle, shuttle it down. But at the same time, that's another thing to look for is how many steps does it take to get in and out of his break? You know, is he a guy that needs like three steps to slow down and get to his break or is he a guy that needs two and two type thing um, that you have to be efficient with? So when you're evaluating these guys, you have to be able to say, how can I use this guy? And I think – and there are plenty of good arguments for a guy like DK Metcalf, but that separates him from a guy like Calvin Johnson that, you know, he's a true – guy who can do everything uh and dk metcalf while being very talented is somewhat limited can be a huge playmaker but is going to have holes in his game that you're not you know that you're gonna have to play around yeah i mean and, and the fact that you know some folks think you know you're gonna draft him and he's gonna basically his entire college production will come in his rookie year no and just one other thing whoever sold calvin johnson to georgia tech 
Great job by Georgia Tech. Whoever that is, somebody find him. Uh, guys, um, you know, obviously we've been talking about Himalaya. Uh, so uh, remember to get the show every day. Subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new Himalaya podcast app. In ever in in every expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlist and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Browns. Um, we decided to take a little peek ahead here. Now, obviously, we've been focusing on the vision and what they've done at this point, guys. Everything's coming up roses. Um, we'll do one here tonight. Um, Let's peek ahead to the AFC East. Obviously, you know, we're going to play, obviously, the Jets three years in a row. Uh, New England this year, Buffalo, the Miami Dolphins. Um, interesting how, how each of these are going. Uh, Pete, I, I'll let you tee this one off. Pick, pick the franchise you want to start with. But you got to feel good that this is maybe the AFC division, division as opposed to last year with, you know, Kansas City, the Chargers, the Raider game. Let's not get into that one. But... This might be a good division to have as far as, you know, the uh, within-conference divisional opponents this season. Right. So, like, one of the things, you know, people were trying to talk the Browns into the playoffs last year. And part of the one of the reasons, you know, we were sort of like, whoa, easy there, was because they did have some really difficult divisions to go against. Meanwhile, it's set up really well for this coming year. And this is part of the reason the AFC East is a one-team division right now. And... You know, with that, the team I'd start with is the New York Jets only because, uh, you know, and, and this is probably why. Michael Salvino is the name, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure this is part of the reason it is now we're talking about him, but uh, the writer at The Athletic. Fact. Um, who basically came out and was, uh, or, or, you know, maybe he's like a, you know, a, a secret. Uh, Giants fan that's trying to uh, knock the Jets out of whatever brief moment of time they could potentially be in the spotlight. But it's basically talked the Jets up as being not only, you know, a much better team this year, not only a playoff team, but better than the Browns, which, you know, obviously have to prove it, but look like a team that's a favorite to win the division, and should be. Uh, and looking at the roster, they did some things but I don't see playoffs in this. And granted, the draft is still to come, and they have to really crush it. But I can't say looking at this from last year to this year and going, wow, the Jets went from a team that the Browns beat and should have beaten and should have beaten worse to, I mean, they're okay. Uh, the Browns seem to be way better than them, though. Uh, I don't know how you're going to say – that Sam Darnold is magically going to be great. And I, and I like Sam Darnold. I really like him as a developmental player. Um, but the problem is he can, even if he makes, you know, tremendous strides in his second season, he's throwing to Robbie Anderson, Quincy Inouye, Jamison Crowder, who should be nice for them, and Chris Herndon, who I like. But those aren't Odell Beckham. Uh, those aren't, you know, David Njoku and, and Jarvis Landry and, and you know Antonio Callaway and, and and newly back in the fold Richard Higgins. It's like which group are you taking? Let's take the quarterbacks even out of this. One of these guys has a ton of weapons to work with, and the others sitting there with their fingers crossed that Robbie Anderson doesn't do something else to get himself kicked out of the league. Or Quincy Nunwa can play sixteen games, or Jamison Crowder can play sixteen games. Like all these players, but there's a lot there. I mean, it's. It's a nice wide receiving core, but and like you said, take the take the you know, you know where's the where's the where where is the A lister? There is not. I don't between the three of them, nobody's had a thousand yard season. So there's that because the Browns right now have two guys who have had thousand yard seasons. Yeah, I I mean it's it's difficult. It's it's weird. And then you know, running back wise, they went from they they obviously went to Le'Veon Bell, and I think he will be good. I don't know if you're going to immediately get you know Steelers Le'Veon Bell. I think people have sort of underappreciated how much the 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 match between Le'Veon Bell and the Steelers really produced what Le'Veon Bell was able to do. I, I think maybe. With what James Conner did, there's a little more appreciation for it. I, I think a lot of people are 
you know, if you if you believe in the Jets, I think a big part of this is you expect Le'Veon Bell is going to walk onto the field and immediately put up uh, the same type of production. Yeah, the the same type of production he did with Steelers. And looking at this offensive line and other things, I don't see how this happens uh, defensively. Uh, yes, they added or they kept t- Henry Anderson, who I think is a nice player. They added uh, C.J. Mosley, who's a really really good player. But they lost Buster Screen, who's, you know, he's fine, but they haven't really replaced him yet. Uh, lost Maurice two- Claiborne. So you have you have Tremaine Johnson, who had an unimpressive year off a big bad, contract. Bad, I mean, the, 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 the immediate talk was, Buyer's uh, how remorse. long have we settled with this? Buyer's remorse, yep. Yeah, I mean, and Jamal Adams is terrific. Uh, he's a very, very good player. He's but, a I mean, He's a dude. Yeah, I mean, before we went into this offseason, when it seemed like the, the Jets were stripping everything down, it was down. It seemed to be down to Sam Darnold, Jamal Adams, and the rest. Uh, it's not quite as bad as that, but it's not playoff good. Uh, I, I think they could. I, I think the Jets can be a week to week frisky to really bad team i think there are teams that they may do some things where they scare some teams uh, and i think there are going to be weeks where they just get absolutely mauled uh and i think the browns set up right now anyway to be one of those teams that just absolutely destroys the jets because the areas where the browns are strong and the jets are weak do not match up well for the jets right now no i mean i I don't know you know first things first i mean trumaine johnson who had a terrible year last year you're going to ask him to cover Odell Beckham. Yeah, good luck with that. Um, Jamal Adams, you know, he's he had moments with Gronk, but even still, David Njoku, uh, it's you know that's it's a fit. It's just when the guys are that big and that athletic and that strong, the best you can ask is for a fifty-fifty in those type of things. Uh, you know, the where they go, you know, obviously they better go pass rusher Pete because. If they're going to go 3-4, which is what, if you brought Anderson back, that's what it's trending towards, their edge guys, Pete, it's not good. It's like, it's like, like Jordan Jenkins is a nice player as a do-your-assignment type of guy, but there's no flashes. There. I mean, who's going to get after the quarterback? This is what you need to do in 2019. Right. So... So part of this is is if you're saying that if if, if they let's say they sit at three and they trade for Josh, or they they pick Josh Allen and he has to be great right now to to really give them what they need. The other part of this is uh, keep in mind because of what they gave up to go get Sam Darnold or uh, yeah to go get Sam Darnold last year they don't have a second round pick and the Jets have basically put up something akin to the bat signal in terms of please please come trade to us because they want to recoup some of the assets, and rightfully so, so they can do more than take Josh Allen theoretically at three Get and to then nine or wait ten, two rounds. Or not even still, trade to nine or ten, take yeah. Brian Burns, and you have more draft capital. Yeah, I mean, that's I think that's the dream scenario for them right now. Uh, but even then, and, and I think Brian Burns is a very, very nice prospect, but I do think there, you know, it, there's, you know, he's 21. Right. Not even. Not even. He's even turned twenty. He's not right? even twenty-one. Whereas uh, Allen's almost twenty. You know, he's coming into a. He, he's going to be. He may have sort of a Cam Wimbley type season, and, and people are immediately going to say that's negative. He had, you know, Cam Wimbley when he came to the league was that speed rusher. I think he what ten or eleven sacks his rookie year, and then he didn't really, you know, evolve from that point. Uh, Some he schmuck had a, bought his jersey. Yeah, that's true. Uh, <laughs> And I waited for that rookie year to be like, okay, we're safe. And then he didn't really evolve at that point. And he had a nice career, but certainly didn't live up to that. Where I think Brian Burns, you know, from everything I've seen of him, seems like a guy who can take that next step. So maybe he has a year where he has a, a bunch of, like, speed sacks and then teams try to adjust to him, and then he sort of makes the that next adjustment where he can slowly evolve into a great player. But I don't, you know, there are going to be teams where he just gets shut out. Uh, and I and and I think he's the type of guy who let's put it this way: I think he could be a guy who has 
two two sacks or three sacks one week and then gets shut out for like three week stretch where he faces some really good players and then comes back with a couple back to back games where he has a, a bunch of big pressures where he's going against some slothy type offensive linemen that do happen to inhabit much of the the rest of the division um, where I think he may rack up some sacks and give them a lot of feels uh, that that encourage them but and and he may even get the Browns. Uh, with that because he he may be a guy that fits really well against what they want to do uh but there are going to be teams that they play where he's just going to get shut down give you nothing and i think those teams are going to really butcher the jets no yeah it's you know if they get out of three and they can move down and acquire more assets i think there's a chance for to get to you know your seven and nine eight and eight pedestrian level I don't think it's a playoff team this year on paper. Um, I do think Sam, Sam Darnold will take another step. Um, we're not going to go nuts to say him at 23 will be better than Baker at 23. That's and, that's and, that's fascinating that you're just going to be like, well, I guess Baker's done, which means what? Yeah, of course. And, and not even factoring in the fact that Baker was basically drafted into a hell position. I mean, he didn't play. He didn't do. He wasn't taking starter reps the entire camp. No like, offensive coordinator. No head coach. Just guys who had labels at the time. But and then, oh my God, you look at the second half, and somehow he threw twenty nine touchdown passes. Wow. Well, look. I mean, look. And it's not a knock on Sam Darnold, but that guy with these takes just stop. I mean, and throw out fact when you're predicting stuff two years around. It's not a fact. How about saying, you know, screenshot this. Old takes exposed. Tag them. Exactly. I mean, go that route. Don't say fact. You can't put a fact. It's the stupidest thing ever. So the last thing I will say about the Jets is they are a less talented version of what the Browns were last year um, with the same problem, which is they are one injury away from bad, bad, bad news. They... They have a couple very key players. If one of them goes down, it's over. Like Kelechi Osemele is a very nice player. If he goes down, they're screwed. If uh, Leonard Williams goes down, they are absolutely screwed. They have just guys like that. C.J. Mosley cannot get injured. Uh, it's you know it's one of those type of situations where they Need have everything are- to break right for a playoff opportunity. Or even to think about it. I mean, yep. it's, it, it may be the difference between, you know, 6-10 and 10 and going 3-13 and 13 again. And the other thing is, with Le'Veon Bell, with the year off, and what made Le'Veon the, the player he was, was the hesitation step to read, you know, the blocking and who was penetrating a defensive line. I don't see him taking a ton of reps in camp, I don't see him taking a ton of reps in the preseason. The reason he was able to start to do that was, you know, the being comfortable with what was going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, with the offensive line. That's not gonna. That's just not gonna be there week one, week two. Hell, that might not be there to week ten. So you know, his biggest impact early could be as a receiver, which he's fantastic at. But it's you know, there's. And Pete, like I told you, you asked me before, I said, you know, most Jets fans right now, they're more concerned about the unis dropping tomorrow night. Like, that's, they want. Yeah. I no, was I mean, genuinely fascinated if there was anybody thinking along these lines, if, like, if this was a prevalent thing, and I was quickly told no. No, they, 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 look, they know they have a quarterback. They know they have a leader on defense in Jamal Adams, and obviously holes to be filled, but, you know, I don't think anybody Jets fan wise is, you know, saying, and I'll tell you right now, I, I know plenty who've dumped their season tickets and nobody's buying back in yet. They, you know, maybe they'll be looking in December if it goes that way, but that's where we're at with that. Uh, Dolphins, Patriots, Pete? Uh, I mean, there's one. Well, there's, I mean, there's a good there, one and there's a, a we understand the plan. <laughs> this is one of those things. You, you know, if you lose to the Dolphins, you get kicked. I mean, this is Al Bundy with, with the. With, with the Bears Rams game being an important one because if you lose it, at that time if you lost to the Rams you were kicked out of the league. Yep. That is where the Dolphins are right now. They are the team you lose Shoot to me now. you get thrown out. Um, this is if you this is where if you are a contender 
you go to whether I don't know if it's home or away, but you go against this opponent, you take care of business, and you move on to the next one. They are awful. They are well, embracing they come, being they awful. They come to Cleveland, send them there in December. Let's just get a nice cupcake, or like right around December tenth or whatever. Yeah, I mean, if nothing else, maybe it's you know a nice little vacation if it's on the road. Um, no, no, because we, we go to New England, we go to the Jets, so Miami's definitely coming here. So. But I mean, this is—they—they they are bad. They know it, and they are trying to be bad. They are ripping off the Browns in that sense. Uh, they have said, "Look, we've tried being mediocre for a while, and they're—you know—it's—it's it's not working. They're going to go the other way." Um, they have some nice players, but yeah, it's—it's it's a tire fire everywhere else. Uh, quarterback, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick is okay. Um, Who is their best offensive player? <sighs> Do, 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 I mean, it's Kenny, do, it's Kenny Stills, but... I, and they don't even... Yeah, exactly, but they don't but value... I mean, like they don't even hoping, value like that. Maybe Mike, Kenyon Drake? Come on. Yeah, you're hoping Mike Jusicki... You're hoping Mike Jusicki takes a big step forward. You're hoping Kenyon Drake continues to be a positive thing. You, you re-signed Devontae Parker basically saying, please, you know, please pay this off. Fifth uh, year's a charm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they've got Albert Wilson. They have... Isaiah Ford, it's it's just not very good. The offensive line is questionable. I mean, is this the year where Laramie Tunsil is going to really establish himself? Uh, But the rest of them, right now, right now, does anybody remember Zach Stirrup in the moment he was on the Browns, the giant Nebraska guy with curiously fascinating athleticism? Right now he's the projected starter at right tackle for the Miami Dolphins. Um, that's where they're at. Defensively, it's Micah Fitzpatrick, Xavier Howard. Xavier Howard's legit. Xavier Howard is a great corner. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, Micah Fitzpatrick is a really nice player. Other than that, it's bad. Uh, there is nothing there. TJ McDonald's okay. Rashad Jones is okay. Um, anything in uh, the front seven has to be replaced other than – and why I mean up to and including, uh, you know, it's Pico Alonso, Raquan McMillan, Jerome Baker, Devin Godchow, Akeem Spence. I mean, they let go of the one guy they had. He was you know thirty seven years old and he was still their best front seven player. That's you know not a good recipe for success. I mean, Tank Carradine, he's he's on this roster. I didn't know you're still in the league. Oh good um, God. Blast from the, and here, actually, just look as you brought up the name. Guys, when you bring up guys who are hurt in the whole redshirt scenario, you go back to a guy like Tank Carradine. This is when the 49ers started this. And these guys, the hit rate, it's, I don't even know if it's one of 10, Pete. It's, it's iffy. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are guys that have worked And you for. feel bad because it's the worst thing in the world. But and this is where Jeffrey Simmons comes in, obviously, with the visit here today with Cleveland, which, um, Two schmucks who talk a lot on Lockdown Browns told you three months ago he was, regardless, before the injury, he was going to be a Browns target. And um, you know today, uh, you know the videos of him running, guys, people do not run full out 40s 30 days out of ACL surgery. Um, uh, the fact that not, an not ag- they want to stay that way. No, the fact that an agent had to get to me and say, please stop this. Don't even say... Jeffrey Simmons' agent had to come to me and say, please stop this. Nobody think, nobody wants... It, why would an agent even squash anything on his own player? Because it's not right. It'd be insane for him to be doing this. Look, we, we know the Jeffrey Simmons thing is going to be there. But guys, it, the bottom line is, is the hit rate on the guys with... The, whether it's AC... Look, if you tell me, you know, Jerry Tillery, that's a whole different thing. You, the legs are the most important thing. You know, whether Tillery man, it's three hundred pounds on a leg. It's 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 no joke. And granted, there are guys. Sean Rogers is the 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 big like, dream scenario where yeah. he came. He had a broken leg, uh, came back and and with Sean Rogers, he was great. Uh, but it, when it comes to three hundred pounds and everything that goes on down there, uh, you, you know, blood flow and everything else, it's it's just iffy. I mean, you're putting. You know, you're consistently putting 300 pounds on it and then asking it to do things at full speed. Um, but speaking of that, you know, Miami is the team that screams to me who picks right before the Browns. If he's still sitting there, um, they, you know, they, they obviously were okay 
and and were able to weather the Laramie Tunsil thing. Obviously, a little bit different uh, with the gas mask on draft night versus you know. Oh, leave the guy alone. Sometimes you got to relax. But it was just. I mean, it was it was that that was the greatest one of the best draft moments ever. And watching ESPN, watching this die, dude blow out a bong rip out of a gas mask. I don't think I've ever laughed so hard in my life. But between Miami's fan base and the embrace seeming embrace of where they're going they would absolutely be the dream scenario for a guy they don't want to play this year one i think it'd be the best for simmons because there's no chance they they, or there should be zero chance that they're stupid enough to try to put him out there this year yep they can be the smartest as possible as far as getting him healthy getting really ready for 2020 when they're planning on being bad anyway and sort of get him as an extra boost uh, next year when you're trying to sort of you know hit rock bottom and bounce back up uh, but they you know they are also uniquely equipped with the way their fan base is that they they aren't as um, I, I would say die hard in day-to-day interest it's not to say there aren't Dolphins fans that love Dolphins football but the most of them don't live there in Miami that's the that's thing. part of it but I mean if you actually do live in that South Florida area most of the year, your Miami Dolphins fandom is is reserved for that hour in the afternoon when the humidity gets so high, you get that little bit of a rain shower. Otherwise, you're out doing stuff in in and around Florida uh, rather than sitting inside and, and messing too much with Dolphins football. So that's the team that sort of stands out to me, to Simmons. Um, but, yeah, the Dolphins are bad. So uh, Buffalo. Buffalo is fascinating. Um I have a I you know I give Sean McDermott all the credit in the world for what he was able to do with that team last year. I thought they were actually going to be the worst team in the league in terms of record. Um, any argument against any argument left for Hugh Jackson should have been eviscerated uh, when Sean McDermott started winning with that roster because that offense was one of the worst things I've ever seen put together on a football field. You would and get that- fired from your job at Streetsboro if that was the offense you were running. And, and that was with LaShawn McCoy, and then he went down, and they won without him. Uh, they, and they went on the road and beat the Minnesota Vikings, who are you know, thought to be a, a, a prevalent playoff team. Ultimately, one of the things that cost them from being able to make the playoffs was the Buffalo Bills going into their house and shutting them down with that garbage offense. And... You know, you're looking at that roster, and you can't tell me what they rolled out last year was be- better uh, was better than what the Browns had when they were going, uh, you know, 0 and 16 that year. Um, I think they're in for a rude awakening. Um, I think much like when the Dolphins had Ronnie Brown and they were running that Wildcat stuff. I yep. think, I think, a, similar a to Baltimore. Year, I think a year to plan for it. Uh, you know, they need Josh Allen to take a major step forward. If they don't, and they're trying to do the same thing, not only do I think he will get hurt, I think he's going to get obliterated in terms of uh, what they're able to do. They signed a bunch of receivers, um, speed guys mostly, John Brown being a, the biggest one in terms of getting those type of guys. And then the guy I think that they that, that, that was a nice signing for them was Cole Beasley, uh, and they still got Zay Jones. They've still, you know, they Robert Foster and some of these other guys, yeah. Andre Roberts. They've got a lot of guys. Um, how they're going to put it together? But they're basically trying, in some ways, to bet on the idea that if you know Josh Allen can chuck it, and if he can at least get it in the right area code, that some of these guys are eventually going to bring him down and be able to stretch the field, which should hopefully open up their running game. But their offensive line has major question marks. I I, I don't understand how anybody. Um, can can still talk about how the possibility of not taking an offensive lineman at eight. Um, I, I you know I, I see the stuff about Ed Oliver and I, I love Ed Oliver obviously, uh, but if you're saying we want to really bet on uh, Josh Allen, we want to make this work. Deion Dawkins and Mitch Morse are not enough. No. You've got to do better. And maybe Wyatt Teller has a better year. Maybe Spencer Long is a little bit better. Uh, Ty Niseki from they got from Washington. I don't know who that is, and that doesn't mean he's not good. I just don't know who that is. I have to think you're getting another tackle, and either putting him at right tackle or moving Dawkins over or somewhere to make that line. Screams Jonah Williams. Screams Jonah Williams. Whether Something. or not, I mean, look, we don't think he's a left tackle, but even still, if you draft him and you play him as a left tackle your rookie year, at least it's a better offensive line, and you can truly evaluate Josh Allen. 
Well, if it's if it's up to me, uh, eighth pick is Andre Dillard, and and I'm running running it up there and getting it done as soon as possible. But that would be interesting to look at. Was any of the Buffalo camp? Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to check on that. that but would, that would be, be check out. That would be my uh, thought process with that. Like, it just if you're saying Josh Allen's the dude, protect him. Do what you have to do. Last year you had Russell Bodine out there and some of those guys. You at least got Mitch Morse. He's a certainly a credible center. You've got Deion Dawkins, who's been a nice, you know, pretty nice player. Take the next step. And not only that, I mean, if you're you still have, uh, you know, your running back situation, you know, make them better too. You know, invest in that offense. Your defense Well, it might be nice to have a running back who's under 23 on your roster. Well, they 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 signed older. They went they went and got Frank Gore. Yes. <laughs> I, I I uh it's fascinating well, Frank that Gore, but it's like, yeah, that's an odd way to, you know, go to Buffalo to maybe put the uh, cherry on top of a career. Their, uh, their defense is interesting. Um they are not bad. They actually have some guys. I I you know, Trent Murphy is, I think, is underrated. Jerry Hughes is nice player still, not not as great. Tremaine Edmonds is obviously very excited, exciting uh, player. Uh, you know, they added. Uh, you know, Tre'Davious White is a nice player. They added uh, uh, some guys in there. They, you know, they got Micah Hyde. They've got uh, Jordan Poyer from a couple years ago. He's been okay. Uh, they 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 have Harrison Phillips, who I really like coming out. They've got Start Latulale. You know, is that sort of that wall up front to protect Edmonds to let him fly around? Um, they have a lot more on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and they have obviously Sean McDermott, who's a really good defensive coach. I, I I think that is the other reason you have to go with the offensive side is you do have a guy. In addition to having more talent, you do have a coach who's more capable over there. So please uh, don't put yourself in a situation where you're counting on on on. Uh, Ronnie Brown to to win you another season of worth of games because it didn't work for the Dolphins. It's not going to work for you with Josh Allen in that role. Uh, again, the this is a t- game the Browns should absolutely win, but you cannot overlook Buffalo. Do not end up. Do not be the Minnesota Vikings this year. The Bills are whatever you want to say about them. They are well coached. They play their asses off, and they're going to give you whatever they have. You. This is the type of team you got to. Get on them early. You got to put your your, your your foot on the throat uh, and take them out because if you let them hang around, they have a tendency to come up and surprise you. So, be smart. This is this is when we get to that game. This is a team you have to take out. Yeah, it'll be interesting though if you can if you address you know the offensive line at eight. Um, it gives a better shot for a true evaluation of Josh Allen. Uh, Cole Beasley will probably give you a true evaluation of Josh Allen. I mean, you've got to be able to hit these guys. Cole Beasley is a slick route runner, and I remember Mark Schofield. It was like I guess it was like two years ago. He was uh, doing the the BR one thousand or whatever, and doing wide receiver work. And uh, he's like, you know, I, I know you watch a lot of AFC East or whatever. Tell me about Quincy Enunwa. You know, so I gave him my thoughts, and I was like, "Well, give me somebody I, you know, who's better than people think he is." And Cole Beasley was a name Mark gave me, and you know, it, it is. And you know, I mean, I I will not fault Cole Beasley for getting his money, but I mean, six foot five quarterback throwing to five foot nine slot wide receiver—that's going to be really interesting how that plays out, guys. iTunes rating reviews—they're always appreciated. They help the show. They bring new listeners. Um, I don't care if you guys like Pete or not. It works well. And anybody else who's doing a daily podcast and can match our numbers, if your name is not somebody associated with the Cleveland Browns or you are not two guys who have formerly played for the Cleveland Browns, we will. I will put these numbers up against those. So go ahead. Drop a five-star written review over there because uh, we all kind of know, as I always say with the guys with the OBR, we know who's putting the work in. So, guys, iTunes rating reviews, drop a five-star. Pete, that brings us to the big, ugly, purple gorilla in the room. And it's not going away. It's, you know, we keep saying this and saying this and saying this. And I remember with Brandon Cooks, all right, well, this is maybe a sign. They're going all in, and this is it. Maybe it's over. Look, I mean, I may be done from everything in this world before Tom Brady's done playing quarterback for the New England Patriots. 
the thing with John Brady is I'm afraid that his career won't end until he can't get on it again. In in other words, I think it it ends in a cart. Um, Maybe that's, that's something to do with the fact that your wife has already made more money than you will ever make doing your profession. <laughs> I, I, I that's my worry is I, is is you know and, and I you know I, I give him all the credit in the world. Obviously, he won the Super Bowl again. Uh, he's 42 years old. I uh, you know and he's still playing at a reasonably high level. He may not be quite as good, uh, but obviously great enough. Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that point where the only way he stops playing is 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 leaving on a cart. But the, as far as the Browns are concerned, um, the Patriots are a measuring stick. Um, this is an opportunity to say we belong. And even if you beat them, you have you more than likely will have to beat them again. And you know for real this time when it comes to the playoffs. But they are right now. Um, a dangerous team, yet unfinished. Um, obviously, Gronk is the big thing that's you know they have not replaced. Um, you don't replace a, a Gronkowski. You do not replace you know the, the the what I would consider the the best tight end ever. If you need to win one single game, there's nobody else on the planet you want other than Gronkowski for one game. Um, it, it's He's just – he's Earl Campbell as a tight end. It's the same yeah. deal. I, I think, if, you know, Jim Brown is the greatest of all time and, and Barry Sanders is right there. But for one game peak, it, it's like Earl Campbell. You just do not want to have to deal with that for 60 minutes of football. And that's a lot of what Gronkowski does. Um, you, you don't replace that. But the, the things they have done um, that I think are sneaky effective – Michael Bennett, he's not going to be uh, Trey Flowers, but he's a good player. Uh, I think Mike Pinnell is obviously a guy we both liked in terms of a guy I thought yeah, I would have loved to get on the Browns, um, and they got him there to replace Malcolm Brown and potentially Danny Shelton. He's still a free agent, so who knows? He may end up back there. He may end up here. But uh, they have a lot of irons in the fire i guess you could i mean they've got like great players to certain position you know we are hoping that denzel ward can ultimately be as good as stefan gilmore stefan gilmore is a flat-out stud he was absolutely rock solid lockdown type dude in the playoffs and the super bowl uh jason mccourty you know we we traded him the browns traded him for you know a seventh round pick and at the time it was fine although i still have questions about the timing of that given he basically stood up for the players when john dorsey said you know there's no real football players on this team and jason mccordy's like not so fast you know we have dudes they're busting their ass i think mccordy mccordy's thing was more and that that's the part where it was a rough one because mccordy should have stayed it was more of um i don't care if you've got to keep him don't call us out because you've got to keep him. Yeah. So ultimately, he get, got traded and and was good for the Patriots. He you know he wasn't great, but he was a good cog for them, especially at that price. Kyle Van Noy, one of the more fascinating stories in the NFL, given that. Right. And I, I like I really liked him coming out of BYU, but the story with when he got drafted by the Lions and him being a you know basically a spectacular bust. His linebacker coach got him and didn't know what to do with him. There was no plan. He's just like here, and the guy's like, I don't know. He ultimately ends up in New England. They had a plan, and he has been the guy that you saw at BYU. Um, he becomes a real problem. Even if he's a second-level guy, that's sort of a huge wild card. And the combination of him and Dante Hightower are just a gigantic pain in the ass for opponent opposing teams to deal with because they can do certain things that just – become problems and and Dante Howard's a great run stopper but then you see him do the other stuff in the Super Bowl where he does just enough in the passing game where he you know completely fools uh Jared Goff and should have had an interception uh you know with the adjustments they made defensive line you know we mentioned Bennett Pinnell they've got some interesting players unfinished uh that that's a spot that could certainly use more helps particularly more edge rush help but they've got again. They've got some guys that are interesting. Keontae Davis from Chattanooga, John Simon, you know, sort of a, you know, that blue collar plugger guy that seems to end up on the Patriots and, and at least give you some things. Um, but 
even if you're sitting there going and make you know doing it again and and certainly they looked at last year they looked vulnerable they looked like a team that was I don't know if they have it anymore it's another team you have to you have to treat them like they are the Super Bowl champions when you take the field with them because if you don't they're going to find a way to beat you in the playoffs. Uh, if you can beat them in the regular season, you can't sit there and go, well, we beat them in the regular season. We, we're going to roll over them. It's just a different animal, and they just always find a way to be at their best. So they are a measuring stick. This is the you know I, I think the Browns have a really good shot at going 4-0 against the AFC East, uh, but 3-1 would obviously be super successful. Uh, but this is the team they have to take out, and if they play them earlier, it may be better for them than later. Uh, but this is, you know, and I and I think the Browns will obviously take this seriously. But I I, I do think they're going to look at the Patriots and go, this is who we want to be. If we're going to be this team, we have to beat this team. Uh, that it make, makes it one of the more fascinating matchups on their schedule. It's the same. It's the same thing with teams like the Steelers. They, you know, they they aspire to be that team. They have to take it seriously to really beat that team. Uh, so, I, I I can't wait. Like, I again, I have said I do not want to play them on on, Nash, on national TV that first week. Mm-hmm. Any other time, great. Uh, but I, you know, this is as much as the Steelers are. You know, I absolutely want to see them beat the Steelers and beat the hell out of the Ravens and, and do all that stuff. This is the team I really want to see them play against because they haven't played them in a few years, and this is you know this is who they want to be and and how that's going to react and how Tom, you know certainly uh, you know Mayfield is not going up against Tom Brady, but he certainly you worry about the, to show you worry about the Houston game you worry about yeah. the Houston game from last year where he's going to say look I'm going to go throw for throw for Tom Brady and all and next thing you know it's twenty one nothing and you're five minutes into the second quarter. Right, like is is playing the Patriots. Let's let's say they go to Foxborough. Is playing the Patriots going to bring the best out of Baker Mayfield, or is it going to show the the weakness, however little few, little there may be, where he's trying to make the thirty point play as opposed to the right play, or is he going to be that dude who came out against the Jets and just clinically takes takes apart a defense? Uh, that's one of the most fascinating teams. Uh, they they will see this year and and may see twice. Well, and the thing with and now you're putting Freddie in his first head co- head coaching opportunity ever. And and that's where maybe playing them early is because if you lose, that's fine. But you don't want to if you beat them early. That's all the more incentive for Belichick and everything in his staff and the wizardry that they do. It puts you in a tough tough spot to have to face them a second time where basically you had to show your entire hand the first time and you know and he kind of saw it i mean you know bill got kansas city last year twice he did and it's and it's not always about the exes i mean it's not always about the players on the field it's about the fact that guys like bill can do this um yeah got- but the other the other thing i'll mention just real quick is this becomes the game the team that really becomes a way for Freddie Kitchens and company to really show off or, or again, a measuring stick for them. Where are they in terms of that? Obviously, uh, you know, for Sean McVay, you know, and, the, and granted, it's the Super Bowl. It's not just a regular season game. But he came out of that was goes, wow, you know, I was outcoached. You know, this becomes the opportunity for Freddie Kitchens and company to really show their mettle, uh, that they, you know, the, to prove that they are – not only right for this team, but to be in the conversation of one of the better better play calling staffs in the in the league. All right, before we put a bow on this, we got two good actually questions here. Um, you know, uh, Chandler Adams, he's been actually pretty good. Uh, we've actually gotten a two or three of his you know over the last couple of weeks here. If Zach Allen, we won't get into that. Um, I don't want to spoil a certain podcast that's going to drop next week. Um, Kalen Saunders are gone at eighty. Does Max Crosby become a viable option? Um, got much better with his run D this year and was still good in his pass rush. Uh, at 80, Pete, Max Crosby, I mean, athletic testing. And, Pete, you and I have been talking. This The agent for Max Crosby has almost every guy that we value this year in this draft cycle. He's got he's got a bunch of them. But Max Crosby at 80 does become a possibility. Yeah, you don't have to sell me by telling me that Max Crosby's run defense improved. 
he's good. He's really good. Um, and the answer to me, answer for me would be yes, with the caveat of where do you put him uh, in terms of this roster? Like, if, if you're just saying, is Max Crosby a great player and I or want him on my team? B- or you just go BPA? Yeah, I mean, and and yeah, he's a great player. He would make this team better. And you can wait on defensive tackle and get some guys, hopefully more than one, uh, on day three. Uh, There are a number of guys that can come in and help this team and compete and fill out that depth. If, yeah, if you you run into a situation, not just Max Crosby, but in general, if you run into a situation where, you know, you're looking through the lens of need versus value, um, and you end up at a pick like 80 and Kalen Saunders and Zach Allen and, you know, the other guys, let's say those are the top guys on their board or whatever. Don't just take a guy to position because you need it. Take the right player. If the right player is Max Crosby at that point, take Max Crosby. You'll have opportunity. There's more rounds to go. Um, and, and I think, you know, we did the mock drafts on this show and that's really what happened to Jeff is that after we got Justin Lane, he found himself in situations where he was taking other positions that may not have been looked at as needs to get good players and then came back around and got good value at positions of need. Don't ever put yourself in the situation of the need is so important that I'm just going to take a guy I don't believe in um, just because you need to fill that position. That's 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 asking for trouble. You do that, you're going to miss. You're going to end up putting yourself in positions where you're getting you're getting uh, Terrell Edmonds uh, with the Steelers type deal. You're getting <laughs> Artie Burns and those type of guys. Don't do that. Um, yeah, take the guy that's great. I think Max Crosby is a fantastic prospect. Uh, he's certainly on my board of targets. He's certainly a guy that I've seen improve his run defense, uh, as mentioned. He's just a slippery SOB that just finds his way to plays, and he's really athletic. And the other thing, though, is if you bring him into this defensive line room where you're obviously not playing you know, at the highest level of competition you know, in the you know, FCS level, he gets to sit down and pick the brain of a Miles Garrett and an Olivier Vernon and even a Sheldon Richardson and just improves his craft and, and watches some reps in front of him. And he obviously shows to be a guy who could apply that. And it may end up, and you know, I forget who it was today, did a fan speak mock draft, but they put it on Twitter where they just went eight defensive players. Yeah, that could possibly be the route to go. And, you know, here you go. There's a whole bunch of y'all. Figure it the hell out yourselves. And whoever makes it to past Labor Day weekend, you make it past Labor Day weekend. We got one more here. Um, I can't read it, you guys. My eyes are so bad late at night. Limited spaces, but here's the app. Um, during Freddie's presser, he mentioned a clear uh, emphasis on special teams play. Um, so that being said, and look, we all know who the special teams coach is. Obviously, some things in the past. Look, come here, coach. Keep your mouth shut and do what you're asked to do. But it will be more about the special teams coach, Pete, or it will be more about the stuff we talked about late in the summer where don't keep a guy because he can play special teams. Keep a guy because he's good for the roster. It will be more about the fact that the roster is better 1 through 53, so you're going to have better players playing special teams. So the answer to the question of... Is it going to be because of Mike Prefer or because of the players? The answer is yes. Um, it's both. It's it's clearly both. Mike Prefer is certainly better than the worst special teams coach in the league, potentially the worst special teams coach of the last century. Um, but absolutely, you got better players. This is what happens. Um, you... And, and, and again, we talked about this in, in regards to Ma- Emmanuel Ogba, Again, I think they lost on the value, but getting a guy, Eric Murray, who also has the benefit of special teams. Bingo. Yes. And, and Freddie Kitchens is uh, ha- did talk about how he, he values special teams, and I, I don't doubt him. I think he understands how important that stuff is. Uh, but yes, yes, yes. Everything, Everything's going to make this group better. Um, and not only that, but just – I think there's an appreciation for the fact that you're not trying to roll over the roster as much this year. 
Uh, and, and granted, the roster is rolled over a lot. I mean, we get into this whole – like I, last year was a talking point that what? They, they, they rolled over 27 players or whatever. The Patriots rolled over like 24. You know, that's just how it goes. You roll over the bottom of your roster year to year. But I don't think they're going to be trying to make as many, you know, moves at this point to sort of really get rid of guys they don't think fit and bring in guys they do. So, you know, whether it's Tavier Thomas making the team again or, you know, somebody else they bring in that could potentially be a gunner on special teams, whatever, they aren't now trying to find, you know, a guy at the end of the depth chart as much. At certain positions, they're relatively committed and safe but certainly they're going to look at it from the standpoint of he's we we've got our top four receivers or whatever the fifth guy can be a guy who helps on on special teams we have what we think are our top you know two in this case or what i think is going to be this case linebackers you know we want another guy who can you know, provides some depth, but if they can also help some special teams or another guy comes in, that fourth guy comes in, he can be almost entirely special teams. Uh, yeah, I think that just becomes the natural evolution in addition to, you know, what you're talking about with the the details, the the, the, the finishing touches on the roster. And th- granted, they're not done. This is still going to be evolving to some extent in terms of getting top-tier talent, but in terms of the bottom of the talent, you're finding the guys that fit. Uh, you're not presumably going to be you know switching a bunch of coaches again other than maybe guys who get hired out uh like munkin potentially going to get a a head coaching job but you know prefer presumably is going to be here more than a year so if he gets guys he's like he likes uh, and guys that fit in what they're going to do they're not going to immediately try to get rid of them for somebody else in this case eric murray sort of the best of both worlds he's a guy who can contribute and can help on special teams well, and there's guys, there's wild cards. If you just want the safe approach where the opponent is punting from the you know the Browns 45 yard line, Jarvis Landry, he can catch every punt you want to. There will also be instances, guys, where if they want to do it, Odell Beckham Jr. can return punts. So if you get yourself in a key spot and you say, hey, can we see if he can make a play? Look, sometimes he will do more. He'll try to do more than just get what's there, but you have that ability with a guy like him. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot of, you know, the fact that it's coached better, but it's also going to be a lot of the fact that 1 through 53, there's a lot of talent there. Um, so, you know, some great questions, guys. Appreciate that as always. Uh, you know, obviously we got to, uh, you know, our, our preview here from the AFC East. We'll do another one of these post-draft, see where these teams have gotten. Uh, we'll get to the uh, NFC West here eventually here. Um, you know, we'll get one of those in here before draft as well. Obviously, we're going to play that division as well. But a bunch, a bunch of good stuff here, and obviously, always a solid product. Uh, Pete, what's next in the hopper for you? Uh, busy week, but uh, I'm going to try to write about what I uh, about Kendall Lamb and how good of a move I think that is, and how that could really help out the Browns both this year and next year. Remember when Especially- I told you the Spider-Man meme, him, Greg Robinson, Hubbard, everybody was kind of like, hey, hey, hey. Everybody yeah, thought all the same. It, it Because I do think ultimately he is going to compete for the job, and I don't know if he'll win, but if he's he doesn't have to win. He just has to be good enough that, um, one, he provides value, and two, maybe next year one of those guys isn't here, or both, and uh, they Very need him chance. to play. Yep. No. So I mean, you know, and, and there is that, and look, there's just no way to deny it. I, I think we know where the interior is, the exterior of the offensive line is still a work in progress. Um, guys, uh, you know, make sure you're following, uh, you know, Pete Smith, obviously, you know, at underscore Pete Smith underscore, all the work over NFL Spin Zone, um, the at Lockdown Browns Twitter account. We always keep it a follow back account. Let's get that to 5K before the draft. It's looking like that's going to happen. I appreciate you all for that. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Guys, we know who's putting in the work here. It's you know almost after nine o'clock here on a Wednesday night. We know who's working. For those who you know want to poo-poo on Twitter, go ahead, do it. I, I, that's fine. But bring it. What are you doing? I mean, like Twitter takes don't equal the work that we're all putting in. Pete's busting his butt here. Obviously, we're putting in 
damn near seven to eight hours a week here on this. To quote Tony Kornheiser, who I obviously quote quite a bit. I I know there's a lot of li- littles who Tony, listen. Tony's the cool old uncle. He is. A lot of littles who listen to this pod. Uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, what's your Thursday show look like? Let me know because that's you know I I have no doubt there are a bunch of people on here who can who can get get to get through Monday, get through Tuesday, and have a bunch of gold. Let me know how your Thursday show looks. And then there's the other thing of, you know, some people taking shots at Pete. Um, I'd love to see what your draft board was last year. Did it consist of Baker Mayfield, Denzel Ward? Did it consist of Nick Chubb? Did it consist of Gennard Avery as top 55 player? It's top 50. I mean, I only number. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I, I rubbed you the wrong way there, but, but top 50. So, hey, he was in there. Yeah, just keep in mind. Bring it. Some people are doing the work here. And if this is the route it's going to go, and I assume for those who are not fans of the show, it's going to continue to go that route. But while some are doing other things, we are still working. Um, I appreciate you guys all, for everybody who's here. Um, ben, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.